Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is Sleeping with the Enemy. We're not showing the movie, but uh, Sleeping with the Enemy, you'll see why in just a minute, Joshua 13, 8 to 33, and I brought my puffer fish. I always look for a chance to bring my something. If you've ever been in my office, you know I have lots of stuff. And uh, so the puffer fish, um, why do I keep it in my office? Well, we're good friends, but, but also uh, there's a reason why, and it's a reminder, the puffer fish. I don't know if you know this, but... You can eat these. They're actually edible. Once in a while, if I need a snack, I, you know, the ear. That's why the ears are missing. But, but uh, just kidding. What they do is they, the, the puffer fish is edible. It actually, if you, has anybody here ever eaten puffer before? All right. And, you're, and, you, live to, and you live to tell it. It's actually very dangerous. Yeah. Um, if it's cleaned right, it's okay, but it's very difficult to clean it just right. So what they do is uh, they, they clean it and they try to take out the poisonous parts of it, but, but they, it's, the reason people eat it is because it's really delicious and it's also toxic. You can actually get a, a slight high. You get a buzz from eating the puffer fish meat. And, and, but it, only the rich and the famous eat these because, Bob, you, you must be rich. Uh, they're very expensive. You probably took one out of an aquarium or something. But anyway, they're, they're very, very expensive. Hundreds of dollars for a plate. They make these beautiful, especially in Japan. Yeah, yeah, Yoshi, a very famous, but every year in Japan, some very famous people will be sitting around and they'll be, they'll be eating their puffer fish and everybody's, it's like rush, gastronomic Russian roulette, right? They're all excited, it's a high, it's a buzz, you know, and, and they're eating it and all of a sudden, every year a couple, it happens a couple of times, one of these Rich and famous people will drop their fork, and everybody else drops their fork real quick, you know. And they'll they'll be like pointing because it it paralyzes the lungs, and there's nothing that can be done about it. The people, the person will suffocate right there at the table while their friends are watching. Happens every year, so don't nibble on my fish because it it's 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 like a drug. It literally is like a drug. People, it, it, it's like a drug. It it tastes great, but uh, you know, you know, but isn't it? A real picture of sin. And that picture of sin, especially for the enjoyable sins, the ones that we love, not the gross ones, the ones we don't like and the ones we can stop doing because they're, you know, don't need it, don't like it. But, but I'm talking about the ones that we, we enjoy, the ones that we love. But we have to see all sins as that puffer fish. All sins, even the ones that we love, we have to see them for what they are. They're poison and ultimately they'll kill us and we have to hate them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship today. We thank you for bringing us here after many, many trials and struggles. We thank you for that. We just pray, Lord, that you're, for your mercy and grace now. And we pray for the blood of Christ that we've been singing about, the power of the name of Christ, the blood of Christ. We pray that, that you would help us to break free of anything that we're hanging on to that, that really is damaging us and killing us and killing our heritage. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we're going to be here in Joshua 13, and there's an outline in the Bible. So if you turn your Bible, uh, I'm sorry, an outline in the bulletin, there's an outline there that you can follow along and keep track of. You're supposed to read 
13, and I, some people did it, Joshua 13, and also Numbers 22 to 25. So we're not going to read every verse in here because it's all division of the land. But, but we'll start with verse 8. Joshua 13, verse 8, where it says, verse 8 says, The other half of Manasseh, the Reubenites and the Gadites, had received the inheritance that Moses had given them east of the Jordan as he, the servant of the Lord, had assigned it to them. So we're seeing the division of the land east of the Jordan. Next week we're going to look at the land west of the Jordan. But we see that he's dividing the land and they're getting their inheritance. And once again, this is a, a picture of our spiritual inheritance. We're not getting land, but we get a spiritual inheritance at salvation. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, we receive our inheritance and we're given these promises all through Jesus Christ, our Joshua. But then we come to verse 13. Did anybody hit that? Well, as I told you to look for warning signs in verse 13, we see, but the Israelites did not drive out the people of Geshur and Makkah, so they continued to live among the Israelites to this day. Uh-oh. Whenever you see the word but in Scripture, you've got to be nervous about that, right? And this is not not good. Now, remember Numbers, we've talked about this many times, Numbers 33 Verses 51 to 56, where they were warned by God through Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you cross the Jordan into Canaan, drive out all the inherit, all the inhabitants of the land before you, destroy all their carved images and their cast idols, and demolish all their high places. Take possession of the land and settle in it, for, for I've given you the land to possess. Verse, down to verse 55, but, if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land, those you allow to remain will become barbs in your eyes and thorns in your sides. They will give you trouble in the land where you will live, then I will do to you what I plan to do to them. They were commanded to drive out all the inhabitants, right? But if you don't drive them out, it's going to be a big, big problem. Big, big problem. It's the same for us. This, these Canaanites are a type of sin. They're, they're a physical picture of a spiritual problem that we have. We're supposed to drive out our spiritual enemies, the sin in our life. We must destroy sin in our life. We must kill. We must drive out all the sins in our life. And if we don't, it's going to haunt us. Very, very important. But if you read the rest of the book of Joshua and the book of Judges, we find that one of the main reasons they don't drive out the inhabitants of the land, and let's go to, I'll just use Judges, Judges 3, verse 1, starting with, we saw this a couple weeks ago. These are the nations the Lord left to test all those Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars in Canaan. Remember this passage? The testing and why he left them there. He did this only to teach warfare to the descendants of the Israelites who had not had previous battle experience. The five rulers of the Philistines, all the Canaanites, the Sidonians, and the Hivites living in Lebanon mountains from Mount Baal Hermon to Lebo Hamath. They were left to test the Israelites to see whether they would obey the Lord's command which he had given their forefathers through Moses. Verse 5. The Israelites lived among the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. They took their daughters in marriage and gave their own daughters to their sons and served their gods. Did we really just read that? Can you believe anybody would be so stupid? I mean, seriously. Why didn't God pick us to be the Israelites? Because we would never do something like that. 
We would never fall in love with sin, would we? They're supposed to drive them out, but they end up marrying them. I don't know about you men out there, but I'd have a hard time kicking my wife out of the house. Right? Uh, it, they fell in love with the Canaanites, but the bigger issue was they fell in love with their gods. Their idols. That was the real issue. They fell in love with their gods. It's crazy, but how many times do we do the same thing? We fall in love with sin. We fall in love with someone that we're not supposed to be in love with. We fall in love with something that God's word says stay away from. And it's hurting us and killing us spiritually. We, we love sin. There's certain sins that we love. There's certain puffer fishes, right? There's a fish that we, we love. We love sin. We're willing to give up many, many sins. Remember, you became a Christian, a lot of stuff we just, gone, got rid of. But not all of them, not the ones that we love. The ones that we like. The ones that feel good. Sound familiar? Addictive sins come, is an easy one that comes to mind here. The, the, the drugs and the alcohol, the food, the, the sexual sins, whether it's lust or pornography or self-sex or adultery or homosexual sins. It, 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 we, we, we love those sins, these addictive sins, and we hang on to them. And a lot of times no one even knows it. We keep them secret. No one even knows it, but it, it's, it's destroying us. It's killing us spiritually. And I always encourage people, tell somebody. Your struggle. Find a trusted Christian friend and tell them. You can talk to me. You can tell me you got a struggle. I'll just get you to a counselor, a Christian counselor. You don't have to even tell me what it is. Uh, we have the, the, the purity group, the sexual purity group here. God's grace is there. If we're willing, if we're willing to give up the sin we love. Now, back to Israel and to us, they should have learned from history. They should have known better because just a few verses, well, back to Joshua 13, just a few verses beyond the ones we just read, in verse 21 to 22, listen to what it says. All, they're talking about the, the inheritance. All the towns of the plateau and the entire realm of Sihon, the king of the Amorites, who ruled in Heshbon, Moses had defeated him and the Midianite chiefs, Evi, Rechem, Zer, Hur, and Reba, princes allied with Sihon, who lived in that country. Now, here we go. In addition to those slain in battle, the Israelites had put to the sword Balaam, son of Beor, who practiced divination. What does that have to do with falling in love with the enemy? Well, if you studied Numbers 22 to 25, like I assigned you, you already know it, don't you? In Numbers 22 to 25, we find Balaam. King Balak of Moab is scared of the Israelites coming in. He's scared. So he hires a sorcerer named Balaam to curse the Israelites. And, and then if, you've been, if you read that, you saw a real wild farm story. See, I'm not the only one who tells farm stories. You saw the farm story. Balaam's donkey talks to him, warns him. God let the donkey talk to him. Says, you better not go. Right? Uh, and then he goes to curse the Israelites. But instead of cursing them, what did he do? He blessed them. And he tries four times to curse them. And four times he blesses them. Balaam could not curse them. Just like us today. We, we're going to get to that in just a minute. But Balaam wants, even though God's warned him through the donkey. You know, and, but he wants the cows and the money that the king of, of Moab had offered him. 
So he comes up with plan B. Plan B. Numbers 25, verse 1. Plan B. And here we go. This is plan B. Now we know this was all Balaam's idea. In Numbers 31 it says it's all his idea. That's why he was killed. Listen to what happens. Well, the is Numbers 25, verse 1, while Israel was staying in Shittim, the men began to indulge in sexual immorality with the Moabite women, who invited them to the sacrifices to their gods. The people ate and bowed down before these gods, so Israel joined in worshiping the Baal of Peor, and the Lord's anger burned against them. Wow. It's all his idea. Balaam came up with plan B. He couldn't curse them, so what did he do? He tempted him. He tempted him. And it's just king of Moab, he says, just king Balak, just send all your pretty women over near the, the encampment where all the soldiers are. Send your pretty women over there. Uh, put on, on the TV, put on a Baal light commercial. Uh, you know, Baal light. And, uh, you know, make sure they have their bikinis on and invite them to the beach barbecue. You know what I'm talking about. And let them see how much fun our religion is. Not this stuffy Jehovah God who says you can only have sex with one woman, your wife. Well, just let them see how much fun our religion is. Because a big part of the Canaanite religion and idol worship were sexual orgies. If you've ever studied any of the, 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 the archaeology or the, the religions of this time, it was all sexual orgies was a very big part. And that was very attractive to these Israelite men, apparently, obviously. And what's the point? If you can't beat them, join them. That's what he came up with. If you can't beat them, join them. And it worked. It worked. The, Balaam couldn't curse them. But he could get them to turn to sin, and then they brought God's discipline and, and, and judgment on themselves. It, it, it worked, and it still works today. Satan cannot touch us. Satan can't touch us without God's permission. He cannot touch us. A lot of people I've talked to, they're so scared of school shootings, and it is very troubling. It's horrible. But, but scared about school shootings and terrorism and all this stuff. And I tell everybody, listen... As bad as it is, and as much as we don't, you know, we, you know, it's horrible, we don't have to be afraid. Do we have to be concerned? Sure. Do we have to take steps? Sure. But we don't have to be afraid because nothing can touch us apart from God's permission and purpose. Can't touch us without God's purpose and permission. And that's important to understand. In fact, in Job 1, 9, and 10, Job's, uh, Satan's talking to God. And he says, does Job fear God for nothing? Remember that passage? Does, God Job, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not put a hedge around him and his entire household and everything he has? Satan says, I want to have Adam, but you won't let me touch him. And God finally said, okay, go ahead. But I'm in control. God had a purpose. David, David in Psalm 139 says, You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. We're hemmed in, we're hedged in. That's the promise in Scripture. Remember when, when, what Jesus said to Peter? He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Satan could not touch 
Simon without Jesus' permission and with Jesus' purpose. And Jesus already knew. When you have turned back, he already knew. Nothing can happen to us. Balaam cannot curse us. Nothing can touch us apart from God's purpose and permission. But we can open the doors. We can open the demonic doors. We can, we can, we can create our own problems here. And so Satan knows that. So what does he do? He tempts us with beautiful sins. He tries to get us to fall in love with sin. That TV, that idol, is there a bigger idol in America than our TVs? Where we have beautiful men and women who offer us every imaginable sin possible. Our computers or our phones, where we could go on our Facebook fantasies or or pornography or these chat rooms, and and that's why it's so important to block all of that. Make sure we block that stuff or get get accountability with that through you know um, what's the name of that one that we always use uh, Covenant Eyes. Thank you, Covenant Eyes. We you know we we have something set up. He tempts us with the music, and I, so many people I talk to. I I just listen to the tune. The words aren't affecting me. They don't affect me. I just like the tune, and it's like horrible, you know. Or our dating. He'll 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 put a dating relationship in front of us. A non Christian who we're not supposed to date or marry. He'll he'll or just have this affair or just think about it. There's no harm. Don't worry about what the Bible says. Do just just. Go with what you feel. Go with what you love. Or with, with, could be gossip. Gossip. Doesn't gossip feel so good? When we're talking about someone else, not when they're talking about us, right? But it's gossip. It's so much fun. Or, or teens, where they're just being pressured in our culture to compromise. You use teenagers out there, comp- pressure to bow down to the peer pressure, to the parties and the, the drinking and the, the smoking and the cheating and the drugs and the music. Worship our idols. Our heroes accept our worldview. That's what Satan does. The beautiful sins. These sins look so good. They look so good, but they're bad for you. That's what sin is. It looks good, but it's bad for us. That's why God word, word warns us. He's not trying to take away our fun. He's trying to make sure we keep having fun. We don't fall to the lies because that's what sin does. It It looks good and it, it feels good, but it's really bad for us. It's really killing us. It's like drugs. 60,000 People in America died last year of drug overdoses. We know all about it, don't we? But that's what drugs do. They, they offer this lie, but sooner or later, they kill you. That's why they're illegal, or supposed to be illegal. We won't go there, all right? But uh, it, it's, it, that's, that's what sin is like. I remember when I was a kid, I used to like to watch Star Trek and the old... The old classics. And, and one, of the, one of my favorite ones I never forgot, there was this one alien, some of you might remember this, there was an alien that could read people's minds and see who the person they were reading the mind, who they loved and, and what person they really loved. And then they would transform, they would morph, you know, shapeshift into that, that person. This, this alien could become anybody. And that's what they would do is they would turn into that person that they loved and 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 then they would uh and many times it was someone who wasn't even on the ship or wasn't anywhere near there it was even dead sometimes but they would turn to that person and the goal was to kill them because what they really wanted to do is drink the blood of the victim and so this alien would turn into this person they loved the one guy dr 
McCoy fell in love, you know, saw his old girlfriend, fell in love, and, and, uh, and what would, they would fall in love, and then they would mesmerize them, they would embrace them, start to kiss them, and to put the fingers on their face, remember that one? And all of a sudden they had these red spots, and they were dead, drained of blood, okay? And I'll never forget, finally, I can't remember who killed his, Captain Kirk or Spock, who didn't fall in love. You know, some, one of them killed this alien. I can't remember. One of them, somehow they shot the alien and killed it. And it, even though it looked like this beautiful woman, shot this beautiful woman, falls to the ground, and it turned into this hideous creature. It was like, you ain't kissing that. You know, it was like, Ugh, right? And, and that's, that's, that's what's sin. It looks so good, but if we could really see what it's doing to us and what it's turning us into and what it really looks like and see the the demonic and Satan behind it, it's hideous. But that's what Satan does. What sin are we keeping? What sin are we enjoying? Do we realize that it's actually hurting us and it will kill us spiritually. That's what Jesus says in John 10.10. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Real life. That's Jesus' goal for us. And the key for us, the key for us is, do we love our sin? I was trying to think about what does it really boil down to? Do we love our sin or do we love Jesus? Do we love Jesus more than any sin, than anyone, than anything in our life? Do we love him more? That's what it really comes down to, being obedient to his word. John 14, 15, Jesus said, If you love me, you obey what I command. That's the key. If you love me, you obey what I command. No matter what you feel, no matter what you think, no matter what the world's saying, no matter what your, your temptation you're going through, do you love me? If you do, you'll, you'll obey what I command. Have you ever acted on God's love? Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian yet. Have you ever acted on God's love? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loved us so much that he gave his son Jesus to die on a cross in our place because he knew we were going to sin. He knows how messed up we are. He, there's the only way to break the power of sin in our life. The only way that we could be forgiven is through Jesus dying in our place, taking our punishment, that if we put our faith in him, whoever believes in him, if we put our faith in him, we can be set free from that. We can have a brand new life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever taken that step of faith? If not, what is holding you back? What are we holding on to? Remember something. What, what God offers us is something way better than what sin offers us. Romans 6.23 tells us what sin offers. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin, whatever it is, no matter how good it looks, it ultimately pays off in death. Now and forever. It pays off in, in physical death and ultimately spiritual death, separation from God for all of eternity. That's what it pays. I want to just show a video clip. It's, it's by a ministry called Anchored North, and they have all these DVDs and videos. It's a ministry. Check them out online. I'll, I'll have it on our podcast site and YouTube site, and I'll also send out an email later today with, with the site. There's so many powerful, moving video stories of people's lives and I saw one that was really perfect for today 
perfect for what um, I was sharing here. And it's talking about the, the sin that we love. It could be anything. You're going to see one particular sin here. But it could be any sin that keeps us from God's love and how we can be set free by, putting our, by, by loving God and Jesus more than that sin. Uh, somebody want to just dim the... Uh, could somebody dim the lights a little bit for me? And we'll just... started to realize that I was becoming attracted to the same sex. I was like, wait, this is odd and no no one else is feeling this way and I can't and no one else can know about this. When I was a junior in high school, my best friend, we came out to each other. So then I suddenly had this confidant in high school whom I could tell everything to and tell him what I was feeling and what it was like and he understood and, and we could talk and, and we started going out. You know, we started going to gay bars in high school, we started going to clubs and, and then even in high school I still felt that being gay was not something that I was going to be for the rest of my life. I just thought, oh, well, eventually I'll get married and have kids and this will just kind of go away. But it didn't go away. When I went to college, I was feeling more and more like homosexuality was becoming my core identity. I just knew that Christianity was never an option for me, uh, ever. I just thought, this I, I'm a gay man, like I can't ever be a Christian. The, the, never the twain shall meet. And so I just thought, I just put God even further on the back burner and didn't even think of God at all. And then after college I moved to LA and I got in with a group of friends who were, um, who were all like-minded. We lived our lives always kind of just wanting two, two things, and it was success and career, and to find true love. I think I had a, a total of five, five serious relationships, and they, um, and they were all very intense and very real. And every time I was in one of these relationships, it was like, okay, this is the one. Like, this is the guy who is gonna give me meaning in my life. This is the person that's gonna save me. Like, I, I seriously saw them as almost like a messiah. Like, this person will give my life meaning. I'll have a, re a reason to live. Like, I. And I, I put so much pressure on these relationships. And so during, during all this time in Hollywood, I did everything. I went to all the premieres, I went to the Oscars, the Emmys, the Grammys, and I went to the Governor's Ball after the Oscars. And like, that life I was living was kind of, it was satisfying. It was fun. And it was, I kind of felt like high from it. I was at a 
one of the after parties one night and like everyone was dancing and all the people in the fashion world were there and it was like very glamorous and and i just remember just looking out over the sea of people all having the times of their lives and i just felt so empty and dead inside i was like i felt so alone and just empty And about, I think, six months later, I was at a coffee shop in Silver Lake. We noticed something very shocking. The table next to us had just Bibles all over it. And we were kind of fascinated by it, even though it was, to us, it was like the enemy. Um, like, those are the people who hate who we are. So, but we were fascinated by them still. So my friend urged me to, to talk to them. And I said, well, what does your church believe about homosexuality? And he said, well, you know, it's a sin. And like, I just stayed and I was like, huh, okay. That's interesting. And then we talked some more and then he invited me to his church. Somehow I got, I just, I don't even, I got up the Sunday morning and the pastor comes out and he started preaching from Romans chapter 7. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just flooded me. That's when I saw the holiness of God and my sinfulness at the same time. It, and I just started bawling. It, it was like this mix of, of joy and, and sorrow. Like sorrow over my sin and joy over the fact that I just met the king of the universe, God, Jesus. In that moment, I knew that God was real, Jesus was real, heaven was real, hell was real, eternal life was real, the Bible was real. I, I just, God was like, this is who I am, this is who you are, you're now in my kingdom, you're now my child, and we now are reconciled and we have a relationship. And I was like, God, you have my whole life. Like, this is it. It's all yours. When I was living that gay life and for many, many years, I was 100% sure that was my identity. Like, it was, I felt like I was born that way. I, it was my orientation. It was my identity. And I felt like it was immutable. And one of the things that also happened during that, that moment of conversion was I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that homosexuality was not who I was, that my identity was in Christ, that that was not who I was. This is the issue, the deal breaker. Homosexuality is the deal breaker for the LGBT community when it comes to Christianity. And I felt the same way. People always say, well, isn't it unloving to say that homosexuality is a sin and I'm like no it's unloving to let people spend eternity apart from God and that's unloving this life is a vapor this life is a mist it's like two seconds long eternity is a long time and whether you believe it or not we're all gonna face Christ on the last day and we're either gonna be under his mercy or under his wrath that's the bottom line. And whether you believe that or not, that's going to happen. 
that's what's at stake is eternity. That's what's at stake. Do you want just this kind of temporary pleasure right now? Or do you want eternity with God? Do not let this one issue, and I know it's a very powerful, strong issue, but do not let this one issue prevent you from eternity with God. Powerful, huh? Just powerful. And that site has so many stories of so many people of all different struggles. That's just one struggle. We all, that may be yours, we may be many other ones. We, we all have many, many, many struggles. But that is just a powerful story of what every one of us, if we're willing to give up that, that sin we love for the one who really loves us, Jesus Christ, the transformation that can happen. I'm going to go to a time of prayer, and when that's done, we're going to close with a, a song of worship. But I, we're going to have a prayer team, as always, a prayer team up front. I'll be up front. If anybody ever wants to pray during the song, afterward, later on, anytime, we'll just be up here. But let's go to prayer. As we go to this time of prayer, each one of us listening and speaking to God, Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian yet. What is keeping you from surrendering your life to Jesus Christ? From surrendering to God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life whatever it is it's a lie you're going to end up empty because only Jesus gives real life only he gives true life for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord You can put your faith in Jesus right now. Just as we heard that testimony, perhaps the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. And at this very moment, you're finding real life, life forever with Jesus Christ. It's a simple prayer of faith. God, I don't want the sin, the garbage anymore. I walk away from it. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to him. If you have just prayed that prayer of faith, something earth-shattering, Heaven shattering has happened. You will never be the same.
as we heard that testimony, you will never be the same. I just want to encourage you to let me know, maybe on the way out, fill out the card, text me, call me, or let someone else know. Maybe you're here with a, a friend or family member. Let somebody know about your faith in Christ so that we could be excited for you and, and encourage you. For those of us who are already Christians, we've already put our faith in Christ, but how is God speaking to us? Maybe we have fallen for a lie in our life. We've fallen in love with sin or a stronghold. Someone or something that we should not be in love with. And the Holy Spirit is convicting us today. And we know it's time to repent, renounce, resist, and renew. Would your prayer be, God, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll talk to whoever I have to talk to. Whatever it takes. I'll, I want to be free. And I want to live free. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would drive this conviction home. That whatever in our life is holding us back spiritually, whatever is keeping us from living out your ultimate purpose for our life, whatever is keeping us from being close to you and living in a close love relationship, fellowship with you, I pray that your Holy Spirit would drive this conviction home. That we wouldn't just hear, but we would do. We would take obedient action. We pray for your mercy and grace to do this. In Jesus' name, amen.